We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's up, man? Man. So, I had... Okay, I came across something on Twitter, and... Of course, of course, it's a daily <laughs> course, thing. right. And I, I don't know how true this is, but I saw somebody, they listed a bunch of players that the 49ers should be getting back for this upcoming week against Buffalo. And it was a good amount of guys. I don't know if they should be getting them back, but guys that could come back. I mean, I saw, like, Ronald Blair's name on there. Obviously, like, Brandon Ayu. There were a few other guys where I'm like, hmm, that makes things interesting. Have you heard anything about Ronald Blair? Then there's another guy, too, that I want to talk about. But have you heard anything about Ronald Blair? No. 
Not at all. I mean, they said that he kind of suffered that setback and had to have, I believe they said he had to have another little knee procedure to like clean something up. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, be, I mean, I don't want to, now you got to understand this, these, the 49ers have so many injuries that sometimes what you hear about an injury for one player, it's hard not to get it confused with about, with an injury from uh, another player. But yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Ronald so, Blair had a setback and he's expected to miss more time. Yeah, that was Kyle Shanahan on Ronald Blair um, in October. So, I mean, it's now early. You know, right, right, right. So maybe maybe he's coming. He's around the corner, but uh, there there hasn't been anything or anybody asked about him in a while. So so this was a tweet, and it said the 49ers might begin the following players back for Monday night game against Buffalo Bills, and it shows DJ Jones, that would be big, uh, Jordan Willis, whatever, Brandon Ayuk, Western Richburg, Ronald Blair, uh, Ben Garland, and D. Ford. I haven't heard anything about D. Ford in a long time. Yeah, I haven't either, but uh, this is Zachary Greer. He he had tweeted that out. But it, it at the very least, was you know, gave me a bit of optimism. Uh, and then, well, yeah, uh, and it, I mean, and then he went on to say guys that could return in week 14. Uh Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Jonathan Cyprian's name is right here. Have you heard anything about Jimmy Garoppolo? That's no, two weeks they, away. Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's talked about any of these guys, and I, and I don't necessarily think that's because nobody's asked about them. I just think that the 49ers are at a point right now where they just legitimately don't know. And especially after how things kind of unfolded, especially with somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo, Unless they are on the cusp, of, well, and, and they are right now too. That's the thing: is the 49ers are legitimately in the playoff hunt. They would need some things to go there to follow their direction, and getting these players back gives them a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. And I understand that the 49ers beat the Rams earlier than the year, but to me, it wasn't a coincidence that the 49ers, outside of quarterback looked pretty competent against the Rams. And I, and I and I still believe it's because despite even the insane amount of injuries the team still has, they're a playoff caliber football team that just has had really shitty luck. So the more these guys come back, you know, that their their capabilities go up and up. And, and I haven't uh, – pretty much every single one of those names that you mentioned, there hasn't been any update from Kyle Shanahan. I might have to – they sent me the – the uh, the Zoom links every week. I might have to actually jump in one and say, "Hey, I got this list of players. What's their deal?" You know, because some of them been should be coming back. There just hasn't been an update in regards to any of them in a while. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo essentially, when he re-injured his ankle, he essentially suffered a new high ankle sprain, and it was bad enough where he had to seek the opinions of doctors as to whether or not he required surgery. So. I don't. I wouldn't expect him back anytime soon. I don't think the 49ers even know if he can make it back by the end of the season. Uh, could he? Of course, with the, the timelines of a high ankle sprain, sure. But given it was a re-injury and surgery was even complicated, I wouldn't say that anything should be expected. You know, is there right. an off chance that somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo or George Kittle could could re, you know start making their initial steps to returning? Sure, but especially with two players like that, they're not going to be rushed back. I think the 49ers kind of 
regret how they handled Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. So yeah, um, that does it definitely seems like kind of out of nowhere. It definitely seems kind of out of nowhere, you know, to hear like some of those names that, you know, we haven't heard at all. But when I read it, I'm like, shit. I just talked all this yesterday about like not, you know, really looking forward to the playoffs because of, you know, like not wanting to get the Aswood because of some of the guys that are out. But I mean, even regardless of any of those other guys, if you just told me, hey, week 14, you can you can have you'll have Jimmy Garoppolo back. I'd be like, shoot, that's that's big time. Then if you told me, yeah, like a couple weeks later, you know, George Kittle will be back. I'm like, you know, like week 17 against Seahawks. I'd be like, hell yeah. Like, you know, that kind of changes my whole vibe. I'm just not high on Nick Mullins. And I get it, 49ers won yesterday, but it's like, dude, 49ers, uh, what, the 49ers defense got four, forced four turnovers and, and, it, and then pick six, and it still took a last-second field goal to win the game. Like that's not, yeah, that's that not ideal. So I, I don't, I just don't have a lot of confidence in Nick Mullins. So you know, like I know people are kind of getting excited, and I, I feel like, damn, I want to get excited too. But just the thought of thinking, like, well, how the hell are they going to win every week? Like they're not going to get four takeaways every week to to keep, you know, to keep the Forty Nineers offense in the game. Well, and I think one thing that 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 goes to, that goes into what you're saying right now, and, and it's also something we need to get, we need to start talking about is. Uh, if you haven't heard, the 49ers have been kicked out of their home. They've been they've been booted. Santa Clara County is the 49ers' parents. Apparently, the 49ers turned 18 and they are out of the house. So, uh, if you haven't heard, given the situation with COVID in California and its failure to improve, the Santa Clara County decided to cancel all contact sports at every single level for the next three weeks, and that included the 49ers. So the 49ers are leaving Los Angeles after their their pretty impressive win over the Rams, while the majority of the team is just now finding out that not only do they not get to play anymore at home, but they have to head home and they have to pack up all their stuff, as much stuff as they can get together, because they're going to have to move somewhere else for at the bare minimum the next three weeks so that they can close out the season and not have to, I mean, I mean no, I mean, that's all it is. So they can close out the season. And, and that's at a minimum for the next three weeks because that is the minimum window that Santa Clara County has provided the 49ers um, as to how long they cannot play. So the 49ers are moving to Arizona. They are going to play their home games at Arizona Stadium. And obviously one of those games won't be a home game, but they have an away game at Arizona. So it'll, you know, it'll be in the same stadium that they're going to be playing these other games at. So their Monday game, Monday night game against the Bills next week and their following game against Washington on Sunday is, are both of which will be played in Arizona. And then, uh, obviously, you're, you're traveling for the away games, but every the, the entire team is essentially picking up and moving to Arizona, which I don't know, man. To me, there are so many things that are just weird about this. Look, I understand that a professional football team does not take precedence over a national pandemic, but if you pointed towards one place in all of Santa Clara County, <laughs> if you had to pick one place 
that was the safest out of any place in Santa Clara, my guess would be Levi Stadium. Because right. every single person right every single person that walks in that door gets tested every day. That place is more is safer and more locked down than anywhere else in that county. And to to me, like I get it, they probably thought to themselves, like, look, we can't pretend to care about this, but then let the 49ers continue doing their thing. But to me, it's like just step back a little bit. Realize that the NFL is spending, I believe, hundreds of millions of dollars to make sure every single one of these teams and every single player and every single staff member is tested and receives their results on a daily basis. And, uh, you, I mean, just for this sake of, of virtue, I guess, I, I, don't, I don't know the word to use for it there, but they couldn't get it through their minds that maybe the 49ers and the extreme efforts – that professional football is taking. I'm not saying it's working out because there's plenty of teams with a lot of problems right now. Well, but no, but it is working in the sense of at least they know. And then the league handles it from there. You go home, you quarantine and stuff like that. You can have all these other people maybe not playing and stuff like that, but people still don't know if they have it or not and how to go about it. Like at least with the NFL, you know exactly where you stand because of the daily testing. They're going through probably more precautions than any job out there. And if there are any issues or whatever, like, they they they, they get the treatment that they need. They get sent home. They quarantine and all that. So, yeah, the, I get it for most of these, you know, sports and, you know, kids and stuff like that, like high schools. But I think it's kind of ridiculous, like, to kind of kick the 49ers out when – like you said, clearly the safest, you know, they're, they're the safest thing in the South Bay. Right. And it's it, like, like you mentioned, I could, I, I coach middle school football. I, I would complete, I completely understand why we don't have sports right now. There's no way that my school district can afford to test every single student every single day, just so they could play middle school football in 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 which nobody really cares who wins every year anyways like there's 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 no you know it, you don't even have to buy tickets for it there's no money to be made there's no incentive for them to really push so that can happen whereas you have obviously on the complete other end of the spectrum are the 49ers where everything is stringently planned and even Kyle Shanahan seemed frustrated he's like look we've gone above and beyond to work amongst ourselves and work with the county to make sure that this place was considered safe and that what we were doing was right and that we weren't contributing to spreading this virus throughout the community because each of the players are still allowed to go home after practice. But again, they're constantly tested. So whether they get it from another player or they get it from someone at home, the, the NFL is going to be the first person to know about it. So it, it just to me seemed like a little goofy. And and no, I am not sitting here telling you that the NFL is is like I said is more important than everybody's public than everybody's health within the public. But I'm telling you that the NFL was a million times more regulated when it comes to containing this virus than everywhere else in Santa Clara. So it it just blows my mind that somebody couldn't like look at that 
and say, you know what, they're doing what we wish everybody could do right now, I think they're probably okay. It it's just it's silly to me. I I, I don't understand it. I I really don't. Maybe right. I'm missing something. And and now what you're doing is you're taking a team that you know yes they had people on the COVID list yes they had guys test positive but again they were they were notified as immediately they quarantined they did everything right look a lot of people are still going to get this virus that's inevitable at this point and the fact that the 49ers were were so stringent and you know the NFL was constantly testing they were you guys get what I'm saying. Now you're going to take that whole team that had everything pretty much under wraps, that was doing a good job containing this thing, and now you're going to take them and you're going to send them somewhere in a different state because you don't want them to be here. Now they're going to have to go somewhere and, and essentially risk their own safety by going to a new location and being exposed to new things. I almost feel, like it, was, almost feel like it was like just a direct shot, like uh, like a fuck you to the 49ers. It could have been. I know that the relationship with them in Santa, Ca- Santa Clara County has never been great. Right. Would they go to would would they go to those lengths to to fire that shot? I don't know. I can't really speculate on that, but it definitely could be. Could have been. It definitely could have been. But it, it like I said, it just seems a little silly. If the if the NFL and the 49ers weren't implementing the measures they're implementing, then I can understand the move. Like, hey, this is a little reckless. Go do this somewhere else. We're bad enough. I get it. But like I said, you would struggle to find somewhere in Santa Clara that is safer from that virus or tracking and containing that virus than what the 49ers had going. And so to me, it just seems like a little bit of a, you know, either it was a slap in the face or it was just poorly thought out. I mean, they're politicians. So what do you expect? But it's wild. It's wild. So. Again, just to kind of wrap it up, 49ers are headed out of Santa Clara for the, at least the next three weeks. They're playing their remaining home games against the – I mean, they do have one more home game against Seattle the beginning of January, week 17, but who knows where that will be. The Buffalo Bills and the Washington football team home games will be played in Arizona, in the Arizona Stadium, and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I mean, uh, there was the the 49ers at Levi Stadium were already they really didn't have very much of a home field advantage. There aren't fans there. There's <laughs> there's nothing to take from that. I believe fans are allowed at Cardinals games, no? Uh I think there were, but like not anymore. They 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 pulled the pull the plug on the fans. Yeah. Okay. Um so we'll see. It's just it's just, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Crazy times. Now, the the one thing that is kind of in flux, I've seen Adam Schefter try and break down possible schedule changes. I know that other games are being moved onto the same Monday that the 49ers are supposed to play the Bills in Week 13. Uh, at one point, Adam Schefter tweeted that the 49ers game was going to be moved to 8 p.m. Uh, on that Monday, which would suck for – I mean, for really suck for Crocker because he's, he's over there by the East Coast now-ish. And – you know that that'd be crazy. You know, starting a Monday night game at 8 p.m. Pacific time is kind of crazy. But yeah, well, they um, typically remember they have they done it. Did they do it this year? Where they used to have the two Monday night games to start the season? They've done it like once. No, I think they. Yeah, did they. No, they. Yeah, they. No, no, this year they've done it. Yeah, they. Yeah, I can't they remember exactly what the games like were. The, they typically do it the first Monday night 
of the season. And, yeah, it's extremely late. Remember a couple years in a row they did that with the 49ers where they started late. But it didn't really affect me because I was Pacific time. But now, shoot, I'm Central. So 8 o'clock, your all time when the game is going to start is 10 o'clock my time. So it's a little late to start a game. I'm going to take, like, a nap or something (laughs) before the game. (laughs) Right, yeah, and especially if we're supposed to – I mean, that's a Monday night. I got work in the morning. (laughs) Are we supposed to jump on here and and pod? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll play it by ear. But everything's just a little bit in flux right now for the 49ers. And for a lot of people in the NFL, I mean, they don't even – they've switched when the the Steelers are supposed to play the Ravens like 14 times. So, you know, and I think right now that's that's scheduled for Wednesday. So – and I, I wish I had that tweet in front of me. I could I, – I don't know if it was Schefter, but somebody tweeted all the different NFL games that are coming up throughout the week where we have like NFL games today and then we have some Wednesday. We might even have one tomorrow on Tuesday. That's – we're recording this on a Wednesday evening. So, I mean, I'm not even sure what the hell's going on out there right now. But it's getting a little weird, you know, and it's crazy because the NFL and the 49ers have have done a pretty good job containing this thing up until this point. And now kind of right as we're getting down towards the end of the season, I'm not going to say it's unraveling, but it's getting weird. And the NFL is scrambling to make sure make things work. The the weirdest part about it is it seemed like, the NFL was doing so well with it for, like, the first, like, five weeks, right? There were, like, no positive tests for, like, the first, like, I want to say, like, three, four weeks, right? Isn't that what it seemed like? Like, there were just no positive tests at first, and then all of a sudden they just started having more and more, and then now it's to the point where, you know, I mean, it happened early in the year where they had to, what, cancel a game or move a game, and the Steelers lost their – their uh the Steelers lost their damn uh, bye week, and but right. it seemed like yeah. for the first like I want to say two or three weeks, there were like no positive case from players at all, and that was like wow, like they are doing amazing. And since then, it's just continuing to go kind of go downhill. But I mean, it's, a, it's all about money, and I don't mean that. <laughs> it like, is, bro. It is. I yeah, and I don't mean it from like a bad standpoint, like oh they're greedy it's about money, but it's like it's about keep. I don't even want to say it's about money. It's about keeping the league afloat, <laughs> you know, right. and if they just did away with the NFL season, you know, like, but owners still have to pay out contracts and all that. Or what if the owners don't have to, and guys just lose out money for an entire year? Like there, there's just no way you can do that. So they had to figure out a way that, you know, to pay, to play just so guys can like live their lives. Like this is their job and you can't just pull millions of dollars out of your ass. So they have to play on TV so they get the television money. You know, right. owners are still taking a big hit because there's no concessions and you know or anything like that. So they're they're still taking a, a a nice hefty hit, but they couldn't just go all the way under to the point where, you know, like there's just no games or anything like that because they need some type of revenue. Like I, there's right. some of these owners aren't like, I mean, obviously like they have a good amount of money, but I want to say like Mark Davis. I don't think Mark Davis is just rich like that. Like I mean, you know, like I don't think he's like as well off as the other owners. So. I mean, that was part of the reason why, they, you know, they didn't uh, uh, sign, re-sign um, uh, Khalil Mack. Like, they didn't have the funds available <laughs> to be able to uh, – <laughs> Right. So the, basically the way it goes is when you give somebody a guaranteed contract um, or when you sign somebody to a contract, whatever is guaranteed to that player, they have to have in their account. And when I say they, I mean, like, the, the team. So – 
when you go to sign, you know, Khalil Mack, on top of any other players that you've already signed to guarantee money, but when you go to sign Khalil Mack and he's getting and he's set to get a hundred million dollars guaranteed or ninety million dollars guaranteed, whatever it was, like you have to have those funds available. And they didn't. That was the biggest issue with the whole Khalil Mack thing. They didn't have the money, uh, so they, they just couldn't re-sign him. Um, so like if he if if they didn't play this year. And a team that's already, already, like, struggling financially with how much money they have, and now all of a sudden, like, they're moving to, you know, Vegas, and they got that whole thing going on, like, they would crumble. They'd try to figure out a way to kind of make it work, but they, they, they'd be in a really tough place. So games had to get, get played, like, and, and I get it. Like, the, the, or the league would be in a terrible spot. And because of revenue and all that, like, it hurts the league going forward. The big thing that's, you know, there's a big issue with the salary cap next year. You know, we're so used to the salary cap just going up and up and up because the league's doing so well and the NFL just makes so much money. Well, now owners are missing out on a big chunk of money because of um, lack of fans and and different things, you know, revenue and stuff like that. So that's another big issue. So imagine if they didn't play at all. Like, where would the league be next year with the salary cap? Like, if they had to play. So I get it. These games ain't getting canceled. They're going to figure out a way to play these games, even if you have to go into the game with no quarterbacks. Yep. It's well said. It's well said. Let's, um, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors, and then when we come back, we will, we will break down the 49ers win over the Los Angeles Rams with a little bit more detail and hit on some of our winners and losers from the evening, and, uh, and we'll be right back. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed's here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short lift of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And last but certainly not least, we've got Bet Online. Football's back. You know this. Depending on where you live, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their seasoning opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire. It's all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Okay, so one of the benefits of the 49ers kicking some ass is we get to be a little bit more positive. So our winner's list this week drastically outweighs our loser's list, of course, and we could probably make it even more lopsided if we want to, as it, as it should be when you come away with a win. Doesn't mean it was perfect, but anytime you can win a football game, you know you must have done something right. So, Crocker, why don't you, as long as you can remember, why don't you lead us off with who you felt was the first winner you want to talk about? Oh, Debo Samuel. Um, of course. For obvious reasons. You know, it, it, it was just nice to just see him back on the field and make plays. And, you know, I talked about how, you know, you watch – D.K. Metcalf, who's going crazy right now. But you watch D.K. Metcalf and you watch A.J. Brown and McLaurin and all these other guys from that draft class who you know are playing very well. And it's almost like Debo ends up being kind of the forgotten man. And it's like, nah, like he can play too. He just has to stay healthy. And when he's on the field, it's just clear as day, he's a difference maker. However they get the ball in his hands, he, he just makes a huge difference. And just would be nice to see him be on the field more so he could be more consistent of a – uh, playmaker, and I'm not saying he's going to be a you know 130 yards a game type guy, but I think no matter how the game goes, like he's going to end the game with like 80 yards, whether it's you know total yards or receiving or whatever. Like he's just that much of a factor, and they get the ball in his hands. So you know he came back. Uh, you could tell the offense definitely missed him. Impact player, uh, definitely Debo first first winner. Well, and and I think people. For some reason, you know, because, like, from a game perspective, anytime a receiver eclipses 100 yards, it's considered a big deal. From a season's perspective, anytime a receiver eclipses 1,000 yards, it's considered a big deal, a great season. You know, but if you do the math on that, if a receiver hit 100 yards every game, that's 1,600 yards on a season. That's pretty ridiculous. And, you know, and, and like you just mentioned, if, if he could be a guy that gets 80 yards, if you if you somehow manage to average average 80 yards a game, you're looking at almost a 1,300-yard season. So I just want to kind of, you know, put that out there just to kind of show you, like, even if you're averaging 60 yards a game, you know, you're still on track for a very, very, very good season, just under 1,000 yards. So it, it really, with Debo Samuel, like Crocker touched on, it's really just him being out there. If he can yeah. stay healthy, and that's going to be hard to do with the way he runs because he's such a beast and a bully and a Debo, as they say, um, it's it's going to be tough for him to do because he's so physical. But if he can stay healthy, then to me, a 1,000 yards is, is nothing. I, the 49ers, to me, could easily get a 1,000 yards out of both Debo and Ayuk in the same right. season. And Debo it, almost had a thousand yards last year, total. Right, right. Because yeah, you know I mean, he had eight hundred receiving, and then he had like another hundred and like sixty or something like that uh, rushing. So. Yeah. So and and I definitely, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense, I will always give a receiver credit for like all-purpose yards. You know, because of how he runs his offense and how important those those plays are to the offense, where he uses a, a receiver to uh, to kind of on, in the end arounds and stuff like that. So obviously, to me, that's it's not there. Those aren't like any less important to me when it comes to a receiver in Kyle Shanahan's offense. But all right, next winner. I'm going with uh, the. I mean, if if Debo Samuel was the obvious choice on offense, then to me Jimmy Ward is the obvious choice on defense. Um, and and I, I say obvious. There's there's probably one or two guys that could that maybe challenge him or, or you could make an argument for. But I mean, turning over the uh, forcing two turnovers is. If you don't have a quarterback like Nick Bowens, 
you and you're forcing turnovers like that, you're winning the game by double digit points. You typically, typically, if you've got a decent quarterback and an offense that can move the ball and you force turnovers like that, you should win the game by a lot. But this was one of those weird games where the 49ers were all the 49ers offense was also perfectly uh, fine with turning the ball over and the offense when of the 49ers when they did you know when it was their turn to contribute they struggled to do that so you know the fact that the offense wasn't really able to take advantage of Jimmy Ward's um turnovers is is not it's not his fault the fact that he was creating them i mean that's a big deal right you know to yeah, force into whether it's an inter, obviously we everybody loves interce- interceptions they're sexy all that good stuff but forcing turnovers is a huge deal Jimmy Ward's on it. It's been the one knock or one of the main knocks of his career, at least coming from us and, and Crocker mm-hmm. more specifically because he's just a <laughs> hater. Uh, is, <laughs> is he just doesn't force turnovers, and, right. and it's and it's 100% true. He just mm-hmm. he's just not something he's done. So to come we recently there, talked about it. Didn't didn't we like add it up? Like didn't we add it up to where it was like going back to like 2016? I think it, I think we were doing. I think we were doing. Jaquiski Tart. No, no, no. I think it was both of them combined. Okay. Well, I got I got Jimmy Ward's up here right now. So yeah, let's see. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. It was several years. Two interceptions in his career since 2014. He's had two interceptions and four forced fumbles. And two. And that's of those including. <laughs> right. And that's including the two he just had. So yeah, you're you're correct in the fact that that has not been a part of his game. At all, so you're not you're not really yeah. a hater. It's, yeah, it I'm is, not. It is it, just, it, it is what it is. I know. I'm just kidding. But now I, I will say this because I've gotten a lot of questions. I got to go back and watch the film. Sometimes when I'm watching the game, I'll notice little things, but typically I don't notice it until like a replay and I'm you know I'll see something. But I'm more focused on like God damn, what the 49ers have to do to win. I'm kind of looking more at that, not where not so much a whole lot or really in tune with like alignment and things like that. Well. Um, Everyone kind of saying Jimmy Ward was playing strong safety. Now, now here's my my kind of you know thoughts on that. He uh, the 49ers safety positions was I've said plenty of times on Twitter. I don't know if anybody paid attention or anything, but they they like their safeties interchangeable. They both both safeties, the free safety, the strong safety. They'll both line up you know deep. They'll both line up too high. They'll both line up in the box. Like I see that often. And I didn't really notice it a whole lot because I kind of just took the 49ers for being just a, you know, a ward. He's always single high until I was watching Marcel Harris late last year. And I was like, wait a minute. Marcel Harris is kind of, you know, deep a little bit. And wait, Ward is down in the box right now. And is that something normal? And I went back and I watched it. And it was the same thing with Tart as well. Um, They just like their guys to be interchangeable. Now, Ward has definitely lined up more at single high than in the box, but he has played a lot in the box. So, I, it, that was one thing where everybody was like, oh, Ward, he's better at strong safety. He's better at strong safety. And what I was thinking was, well, he, he plays there a lot anyways. So I, I would challenge people to stop thinking about uh, kind of where or, or or if there's free safety or strong safety and just kind of look at the 49ers' safeties as just safeties because they, they have to be more interchangeable. And, um yeah. So I, I want to look, go and look back and see exactly like where he was lining up, why he was lining up there. Maybe because without 
uh, Tart, and then I think uh, Marcel Harris played more will linebacker. He had more, you know, down in the box duties with uh, more playing deeper. So, you know, those are things I'm interested in looking into. But yeah, no, nah, man, he definitely played well. And that's all I've been asking. It don't have to be like two forced fumbles and one just, you know, an idiotic uh, decision by by uh, Jared Goff to try to like shake him like he's fucking Barry Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to look look uh, look into that. Yeah, and and like I was talking to you about through text, I, I could be I could be off and off in the way I'm I'm saying this, but to me it, the and it's not easy to do because versatility is a very valuable asset in the NFL, and it's not it's never a given, but. If the forty, the more the 49ers can switch those two, the better disguised their defense will be. The less teams will be able to key in on who's lining up against what or what each person's assignments is. At least in the backfield, when it comes to the safeties. So, you know, the more they can, usually the reason you don't switch that up more often is because the two different safeties have very different capabilities. Right. You know, you you think about. Think about the difference in Seattle's heyday between what Earl, Chan- uh, Earl Thomas could do and what Cam Chancellor could do. Like the reason they didn't throw Earl Thomas back there, they they did every now and then because you know he's he's made some of those types of plays. But the reason they didn't consistently have him back there is because he's not going to be able to do half the things that Earl Thomas was capable of doing in that. Oh, you meant Cam Chancellor first, yeah? You meant yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whichever, I, if I, I switched you. it around. Yeah, I yeah. So they they didn't send Cam Chancellor back there because Earl Thomas was an, an eraser and a lockdown safety, and he would and you know he made at that time made his fair share of plays, uh, you know highlight plays consistently. So, but if the 49ers have two players like Jimmy Ward and Tarverius Moore who both have shown that yeah they can get deep and they can cover and they can you know they can work sideline to sideline pretty well, but they can also come down on near the line of scrimmage and hit and tackle and and not really be be exposed in their ability to play near the line of scrimmage, then good on the 49ers because that really just kind of gives them a versatility to switch things up. And a quarterback, you know, in any given formation, isn't going to be able to look at either of them and just say, okay, I know this guy. If somebody's dropping back, I know it's this guy. You know, so it, it it's valuable to them. And, and, and if the 49ers can do it, to me it seems obvious that they should. But, you know, like I, I started that off with, I'm not – I'm not a defensive expert. I'm not Robert Sala, so I don't know if if my my you know my intuition is correct there. But I, I would just like to think that if if those two players can play similar to each other, then then you know more power to them. Um, your next winner, Crocker. What do you think? Uh, I think I'm gonna go you know, or stay on the defensive side and go with Chris Givens. You mean Kevin Givens? Kevin Givens. Excuse me, Chris Kevin. Who? It's all the same. Right. No, it's not. But yeah, it really is. It, it, it can be. Yeah. Is there a Chris Givens out you know, there in the well, sports world? No, I don't think it's Chris Givens. I think I was just watching uh, Chris Carson. Chris Carson run for a run touchdown. For, yeah. Did you see that too just now? <laughs> yeah, I saw it. But actually, there was a Chris Givens. He's a former. Um, he's a former wide receiver selected in the fourth round by the St. Louis, St. Louis Rams, Rams in for the Miami Dolphins. There you go. There you All go. Right. He's thirty yeah. now. He ain't in it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Nope. I know exactly who he is. Matter of fact, I so, did. I did like a, uh, or it was like this tournament thing that I was kind of like hosting out in Seattle when I was with the Jets, and I think this was when he just signed with the Dolphins, and um, so we were both in the AFC East for a bit. But um, yeah, 
Yeah, no. I yeah, sorry, you know. sorry, Kevin Givens. We got you mixed up with that wide receiver from back in the day. <laughs> but no, man. I mean, this dude, like, first career start, and Brian Baldinger's breaking him down. Brian Baldinger, I think I talked about it yesterday, but I mean, he was breaking him down last year in the preseason. Like, look, this dude's a gamer. He was, and he might he not. One hundred percent was. Yeah, he was like, he might not make it because you know the 49ers have a loaded D line, which they did, right? I mean, you looked at the 49ers D line, and just if you just go with, like, the starting four, you had Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, DJ Jones, Eric Armstead. And then you had D Ford. And then you had, like, Ronald Blair. And then you had – you know what I'm saying? It's just like there's just too many guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, um, and I remember uh, 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 Brian Baldinger talking about him. like, hey, look, this dude's a gamer. It's going to be tough. I don't know if he's going to see the field because of who the 49ers have, but – this dude's a gamer, and, you know, he was watching his preseason film on just how he was penetrating and getting through there, his effort. And then you watch Brian Baldinger today, and he's echoing the same sentiments. And I've said it before. It's not always the best player that is going to be on the field. There's just a lot of politics. And I've said it before, like the politics of the game. We see it with Richie James, right? We see it with Richie James not getting a whole bunch of opportunities, but then he gets his one opportunity, and it's 180 yards. I'm not saying he's that, but – just, hey, that's pretty damn good. He clearly can play in the NFL. Well, it's the same thing with Kevin Givens. Okay, I got it right. Where it's yes, somebody who's very talented, and he got his first start. And did he, I mean, impact player. Like, not saying he's always going to be that, but he was yesterday. Or was it Sunday? He was Sunday where he comes in, he's blowing up plays in the backfield. He's uh, running down, like hustling to the ball, and he recovers a fumble. And then he's splitting double teams, hits the quarterback, forces a bad throw, ends up getting uh, picked off by uh, Kinlaw and returned for a touchdown. I mean, like, that's impact. Impact. Like, those are impact plays by somebody that was in his first career start. Clearly, the dude can play. He can play some football. And um, definitely, like, I'm all about guys that take advantage of their opportunity. He clearly did just that. So, uh, yeah, winner. Winner, winner, yeah, chicken dinner. I agree. I agree, man. It's legit. And he's not a big dude, but he just plays with that, you know, that, I don't know, that get off, that, you just, when you look at him and his, the way his body type is, you're like, yeah, like, all right, I, I believe that that dude, he's like six one, man. I'm six one, but we are not built the same way. And that dude is like a little tank, man. And he just, and, and if you can find a way to work that type of leverage to an advantage, um, where, uh, you know, taller guys are already trying, are always going to have to figure out how to get any sort of leverage on you. You know, that's hard to do because eventually you're just at such a massive size disadvantage that even though you can keep a lower center of, gra- center of gravity, it just doesn't help. But, I mean, he just, he seems like he's got that swagger to him where he can move around. And, and yesterday I kind of compared him to Aaron Donald, not from a talent standpoint, and obviously nothing near a productivity standpoint, but it's just they're both very undersized guys. And when you're that undersized, Pretty much everything else you do has to be better than the other guy. You have to. You be said more that, and I was like, "Oh, he looks like wider than than uh, Aaron Donald." But then I I googled it, and yeah, dude is uh six one hundred eighty five pounds, which is probably exactly what Aaron Donald weighs. Now their bodies are drastically different because right, right, right. <laughs> Aaron, Donald fucking, Aaron like Donald a, looks like the Hulk, man. <laughs> he has like a ten pack, so he's just all muscle, but. 
Oh, you're right. Like, same size, man. Definitely undersized for a guy rushing from the interior. And filling in for DJ Jones, who's kind of the thicker of the defense. Well, Ken Law's extremely thick, but uh, typically, you know, like, right. he's one of the, like, you know, the, the thicker guys. Like, that's like a one-tech or whatever. You line them up there. But, man, it, very impressive. Very impressive to the point where we're like, uh, do we need to bring DJ Jones back next year? <laughs> you know? I know. I know. And that's – and when you've got an – uh, an undrafted guy playing at anywhere near a, a high level, then that will give you the obviously the, the 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 freedom to say, okay, let's let's go with this guy because we're in a pinch and we need to save some money. And being able to keep an undrafted guy on your roster uh, that can have an impact, like Crocker was saying, that could come into the game and consistently have an impact, that is a huge deal for for team building. So I mean, hopefully he continues to grow and develop because because it's it's just fun to watch. He's he's pretty good. Um, my next winner, obviously, we got to give some love to Kerry Hyder, who, as I was saying, Jimmy Ward was the unquestioned kind of leader of of the defensive winners. I guess you could say. I I feel like Kerry Hyder deserves maybe maybe he didn't force the turnovers, but he was a part of them. He, I believe, yes, he did have one fumble recovery. He had two sacks, the only sacks that the defense was able to notch. And you're talking about a guy who was signed off the street, you know, like who was unemployed and wasn't part of any signing rush. And, you know, he's I, – I have friends who are Dallas Cowboys fans who who said, look, man, like there were times when, when Kerry Hyder looked really good, you know, when he was given a little bit of an opportunity – there were times when he looked really good, and he didn't play. He wasn't a starter, and he was kind of a rotational guy, but now he's gotten a starting opportunity, and he looks like a genuine starter. He has, I believe he's up to, is it nine and a half sacks, ten and a half sacks, somewhere in there? Um, he is just, I mean, dude, he's he's playing he great. Really have that many sacks? Yeah. I think, it seems like he has sacks every week, but I just never, like, paid attention to the I mean, the, the – <laughs> Uh, pro football reference, the the stat sheet I always use, they haven't they haven't been seven and a half, so maybe it's seven and a half, and I'm and I'm I don't know why I'm I'm thinking it's more than that, but even that, like there are a lot of teams that will pay a lot of money for somebody to get seven and a half sacks in a season, and, and there's still five even, games left. Yeah, not over yet. Right. So I mean, he is just playing really, really good to the point where if you had to make me make a choice, I'm let him go of D Ford. I'm not thinking that hard about it, and I'm giving Kerry Hyder maybe five or six million dollars a year, and you know if if that's what it took took to get him, because right. it just it, it let's say Nick Bosa comes back completely healthy, like you're you're talking like that's almost kind of like it reminds me of almost like a Mod Brooks would do, like he was never crazy, but he was always consistent, and he held his own on his side of the line opposite um, Alden Smith. And if if Nick Bosa is going to be that Alden Smith, then I really do think somebody like Kerry Hyder, who has and, and and think about it this way too, that defensive line is is only going to have more attention pulled away from someone like Kerry Hyder when Nick Bosa comes back. So he, there's a chance that his production could even take another slight push forward, because you know the, he's going to get the opportunity for more one on ones and less attention and whatever comes with that with a guy like Nick Bosa on the line. So, I mean, I, I just love what he's doing, and I really hope the 49ers can keep him around next season and make sure he's part of their plans because he is 
productivity, at least right now, he's productivity on the cheap, and, and that's what the 49ers need. Definitely. Sucks they didn't sign him to a longer contract to begin with. <laughs> I know. I know. Now, they're like, now they're, he's getting out the contract, seeing if, like, he can white out the number of years, like, right. just – like with without it looking obvious. So, all right, give me another one of your winners, Croc. We're still rolling on these bad boys. All right, uh, another winner, and we're gonna go with Kinlaw. Uh, Brand new rookie. Yeah, you know, and just the continuous you know development of him. I think one thing that's extremely underrated is how well he does that little thing where he just falls off the play, <laughs> and like, and like all of a sudden he's you know in the passing lane and you know kind of batting passes down or. Uh, you know, making uh, it a little bit more difficult for the quarterback. Well, this time he kind of dropped back in that passing lane, and he does it like when he's like getting double teamed, but he he uh, got in that passing lane, and the ball kind of fluttered because of the the uh, Kevin Givens hit, and boom! Now he gets a pick, and not just a pick. I mean, he took it to the crib. <laughs> you know, he like, did. That and was, he did some goofy ass dive into the end zone. Yeah, that was that was funny, man. But you know, it's just. Because there's so much attention, and, you know, we've talked about it, how, you know, we don't want to compare him and DeForest Buckner, but just to see him, like, your your 13th overall pick. And the same thing with uh, with uh, Henry Ruggs, where I talk about, like, ah, you know, 12th overall pick, first receiver taken, you would like to see him, uh, you know, you would like to see him get a little bit more production. And we haven't seen, seen that. Now he had, like, 50 yards last game, but um, – with Kinlaw, as high as the 49ers took him, you know, you traded back. You didn't get guys like, you know, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. Um, and you want to see your investment pay off, your high draft pick. And it seems like over the last few weeks, got his first sack last week. Um, you know, this this past weekend, you know, got his first interception, got his first touchdown. And, uh, you know, you just want to continue to see him, you know, progress. And I think with him making plays like that, especially with the 49ers winning, I, you know, I think it's going to – only give him confidence, and he's going to continue that. So definitely a winner, and hopefully he continues to be a winner each week because uh, that would be really exciting for your you know, your uh, 14th overall pick. Right, and a shout-out to Kyle Manson of Niners Wire and Candlestick Chronicles for this little nugget. But um, and, it, and it was said out of jest. I don't want anybody to freak out right now. But, uh, Crocker, how many uh, – how many? I mean, you can guess if you don't know, but how many interceptions do you think DeForest Buckner's had in his career? I'm going to go out on the limb and say zero. Yeah, how many, you know, how many? so obviously he's got no interceptions. He's got no pick sixes. Javon Kinlaw is just leaving that guy in the dust. <laughs> he must be better. <laughs> he must be so much better, bro. Yeah. So much better. And like I said, I'm kidding. Obviously, you know, I had, I have a, I had a massive uh, draft crush on the old DeForest Buckner. But that was, that was a funny tweet from, from uh from Kyle, who just right after the play happened, he just tweets out DeForest Buckner's has or DeForest Buckner's career interceptions zero, and and I was just I was just laughing my ass off. That's funny, man. But I mean, uh, I mean, good for him, good for him, dude. Just being being where the ball. And he said that he was supposed to rush that play, and somebody kind of keyed into the play and was like, "Hey, drop off." I don't. I don't know if, if if I read that right, and he did. And sure enough, uh, Kevin Givens, another one of your winners, smacked yeah. Jared Goff right as he was throwing the ball, and it went right into the waiting arms of Javon Kinlaw, who did one of the worst dives into the end zone I've ever seen. 
Um, he like was halfway in between it. Like he started to dive, then he just brought his feet back forward so he didn't fall all the way down. He was he like just didn't want to dive onto his chest. It was just funny. It was funny. Yeah. But um, good for him, man. Good for him. And our last winner, uh, I'm going with Richard Sherman, dude, the veteran Uncle Sherm, comes in his first game back. I don't even know how many games he missed. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like at least Since six or seven. He played week one. He didn't play after that. He's missed. He's been gone since week one. Since week two. I mean, like he didn't. He played week one. He did not play after that. So, has it really been that long? Yep. That is wild, dude. Yeah, this says he. This says he only got two games this season. So that would be one, and the one he just got. And and it, it, you know, like I said, the, with so many injuries to the Forty Niners, it's hard to 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 keep tabs on how long everybody's been gone. But I mean, his first game back. He comes in. He leads the team in tackles with seven. He had a tackle for loss. He had another interception. He had a pass breakup. The dude just came, went right back to doing what he's going to do. He got some some love from from Brian Baldinger too, who just like the way Brian Baldinger does those uh, videos is just so damn funny to me. Like he's just talking about Richard Sherman and the way he dropped off. He made it look like he was running with a deep route. Yeah. So and we were talking about this yesterday, Croc. What it was, they ran a deep route along the sideline, and they had like a you know a, an out route that came right underneath it from the tight end. And Richard Sherman kind of made it look like he was going with the deep route, and then he just dropped off, and uh, the ball to the tight end was overthrown, and Richard Sherman was just kind of like sitting right there waiting. Yeah, for it. I, I saw that breakdown. Richard Sherman was actually in man coverage. Once he got his uh, receiver controlled, he got he was able to kind of key through uh, the receiver to the quarterback. And so he has his hands on the receiver. He can see. He knows he has him like, okay, if he throws it here, I'm going to go. He was like way over the top of him, wasn't it? Like he had him easy. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I'm I'm good here. So I'm going to look back. And he saw the ball thrown. And uh, Ward had terrific coverage on the tight end, which forced the overthrow. And Richard Sherman, who was playing with good eyes, was able to pick that off. Most, you know, most guys would have just been playing man on their guy and the ball probably would have just – Feel incomplete, but that's what makes Sherm, Sherm, and why it right, looks like that, and it looks like something that shouldn't happen, but it just does. Well, and even Sherm was making fun of that on Twitter. He, you know, he was laughing about how people was like, "Oh, it was a horrible throw. He threw it right to you," but that's not how that works. You know, there are very few plays that happen in the NFL where you are where the player, where the defensive player is there by accident. You know, like like where maybe there's a tip ball at the line of scrimmage and it just happens to fly up into a weird spot and a defender's there. But a lot of times these guys are keying in on the play. They're keying in on the formation. They're keying in on the quarterback size or the routes that everybody's running. And they're going to put themselves in a position to be around the ball. And all it takes is the, the you know, the subtlest mistake from, from Jared Goff, which was to throw the ball about, you know, maybe a yard or two too high because he was trying to just put it over the top of Jimmy Ward. And it just Sherman came off his guy and went right to it. And, you know, there is nothing about that that's not earned. I feel like people will constantly have that attitude that Sherman was kind of talking about where, like, oh, well, he threw it right to you. Yeah, he threw it right to him because Sherman was, Sherman was right there. Like, he put himself there. It's not right. like that he just happened to end up there. The dude is one of the smartest players to ever play this game. And there was a very good reason why he was there. Right. And, you know, very rarely, I just, I, I don't like that, man. You, we talked, we joked about it during training camp this offseason, or not this offseason, but the last one where, 
Defensive players can never make a play. It's always the offense screwing up. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's not how this works. This, it's, it's just – it's silly sometimes. It's silly sometimes. All right, so that's my last winner. Let's before we sign out, we won't we won't harp on it because the 49ers did win. They found a way to get it done. There's not a whole lot of losers. There's a few. Let's jump through our losers real quick before we jump out of here. Who was your your first loser, Croc? Probably everybody's first loser, which would be Nick Mullins. That was my first one. And again, he, he's a backup, so it's like I, I I get it. But it's just like, dude, like I feel like he did everything he could to lose the game. And the 49ers were still able to pull it out. And it reminded me a lot of the Eagles game where the 49ers jumped out and he just had this meltdown where, you know, he threw a pick six and fumbled midfield, threw another interception. And a game that 49ers definitely should have – definitely 49ers should have just beat down the Eagles. And because of those plays, which, I, I again, I guess you have to, you know, expect it because of who he is. But it's just like, man, like, 49ers defense had to get four takeaways and a defensive touchdown to make it close. So he's uh, – and it's not all his fault. I got another loser coming up, but that's my first one. <laughs> all right, yeah. And it, and it did – like you said, it did feel like the 49ers had to win that game in spite of Nick Mullins. They, Nick Mullins, he did get it done at the very end of the game when he had no other choice. Either it was him get it done or the 49ers lose, and he did lead the, the team on two scoring drives. But everything up until that point was was him doing what seemed like his best effort to, to keep, the, keep the Rams in the game. So it was kind of frustrating to watch. Um, my first loser is Jarek McKinnon. And obviously the man is still healthy after missing two seasons trying to recover from a knee injury. He, he kind of held it together while Raheem was out, Jeff Wilson was out, Michael Hasty was out, uh, Tevin Coleman was out. He, he The guy who struggled with injuries over the past few years was the one to hold it together. But to me, during that time, he he never – established himself as a guy, you know, and, and he never looked – he had some good games, and he got in the end zone quite a bit, but he just never felt, felt like he established himself as being somebody who should be splitting snaps with Raheem Mostert 50-50. He just kind of held it down and did okay, and then the moment Raheem Mostert comes back and the moment Jeff Wilson comes back, uh, Jarek McKinnon is all of a sudden – you know, way down on the on the snap counts. Raheem Mostert had 16 carries. Jeff Wilson had 12 carries. Jarek McKinnon had three. You know, and now he did like a third in like long, long, long. Right. Yeah. And he, you know, and that that kind of padded his stats a little bit. He did catch two passes for 11 yards. So it was just, you know, you would like to have seen somebody who at one point the 49ers thought would be like you know, a, 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 a cornerstone in their offense, establish himself a little bit more as to where, you know, the, that that even when Raheem came back, and, and it's very clear that Raheem is the guy, and he's the one that should be in that backfield. But at least maybe get it to where Raheem has 15 touches and McKinnon has, you know, eight or nine or something like that. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it, and maybe a little bit more action on the passing downs. And and he just he, he didn't have that role, and, and it, you know that's that's on McKinnon for not doing enough when he had his opportunities to make it to where Kyle Shanahan didn't want to put him on the bench even when he's when everyone else came back. So to me, he's a little bit of a loser for just kind of making it to where Kyle Shanahan was easily able to uh, to put him on the sidelines and not feel bad about it. What do you got, Croc? What's your next one? My next one is Raheem Mostert, and it was good seeing him back and. 
I, I, I'll tie Raheem Mostert in with the offensive line because I think kind of goes both in hand in right. hand. Right. Well, that's yeah. Those are our last or, two losers, so we can talk about them at the same time. Okay. Well, I already talked about Nick Mullins. It all kind of goes hand in hand. But let me start with Raheem Mostert. The fumble return for a touchdown. Um, I get it. Aaron Donald, playmaker, all that great. But you you just can't fumble. And the fact that he fumbled and it led to a touchdown, I have to throw him on his list. Now, statistically wise, it definitely wasn't his best game as far as, you know, yards per carry. A lot of it had to do with the offensive line, right? The offensive line um, not really opening holes. Why aren't the offensive line, you know, opening up running running holes consistently? Well, the defense is loading the box. Why are the defense loading the box? Because they know Nick Mullins can't beat him with his arm. So it all kind of goes hand in hand. Right. Uh, it starts with Nick Mullins uh, not being able to – or a team thinking, hey, he can't beat us with his arm. If he can't, we're, we want to see it. We want to force him to beat us. He wasn't going to do it. So they're loading the box to stop the run. It makes it harder for the offensive line, which in turn makes it harder for your running back, which leads to uh, 16 carries for like 50 yards and a fumble return for a touchdown. So um, they all kind of go hand in hand, but I had to throw Raheem Mostert in there just because I got on Nick Mullins about his play and how he was doing everything to kind of like not win the game. And Raheem Mostert kind of contributed to that fumbling and the defense returning for a touchdown. And you know, I, you know, I, shout out to Raheem because I love that guy. Uh, I consider him a friend. But he was just on the shit end of that deal. Like, if you think about the expression, <laughs> like shit rolls downhill. Like, yeah. you have an offensive line that's not doing a great job. You have a quarterback that's not commanding any respect, and so thus you have a defense that's perfectly willing to be right up on the line of scrimmage. And then here you go, Raheem, do your thing. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely a lose lose situation for him. Right. And, and he still made it. It made a decent amount about it. But you are right, though. Like, yeah. once the ball is in your hands as a running back, it's yours. Yeah. You know, and and you have to hold on to it now. And Aaron, just so we're clear, Aaron Donald hit Raheem Mostert like two yards in the backfield. So yeah. he had just been given the ball and maybe was just getting it seated into wherever he holds it as he crosses the line of scrimmage. And then boom, he got hit by Aaron Donald and and that one arm knocked it out. But yeah. It's definitely on him, but at the same time, that guy's not necessarily – he doesn't have the best working conditions right now for a running back. He, he would have to be like Barry Sanders behind that line, and that's not what he is. He's more of a, a one-cut guy, you know, kind of read the holes, explode through it, and, and that's how he, you know, makes his money. And that definitely was not going to be the case <laughs> with how defense are loading the box, and he's going to continue to see that. He's going to see that against Buffalo. Like, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yep. 100%. We'll see. Free Jimmy we'll Garoppolo. Hope, <laughs> hopefully uh, Raheem does a better job running the ball than he, he is at Warzone because he's out there struggling in Verdansk, I'm telling you. I'm just kidding, Raheem. I love you, man. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's I mean, that's it, man. Obviously, we did hit some losers, but we had way more winners than losers, and that's the way it should be after a win um, because the 49ers right now, at least in that game, I felt like they were punching above their weight. You know, they, they a lot of people didn't expect them really to have a chance, including me. I, I felt like the Rams were going to get this one, and the 49ers just came out and looked like the better team. And I do believe the more players, if the 49ers can continue to receive um, players back from the injured list while staying healthy elsewhere, then this team, if they can manage to – if they can give themselves an opportunity to make the playoffs – 
they're they're a viable team. They're a vi- you know if if they can get the playoffs and they do get guys like George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo back, then they have a shot against anybody. You know, it, it might not be the greatest shot, but they still have a shot against anybody. And we've seen a lot crazier shit in this league. So it just depends on kind of how the 49ers uh, handle these next games, who they get back, and how the people, you know, how somebody like Nick Mullins plays in the meantime is going to determine how far they go. But the point uh, being, they do have a shot. Yeah, real quick. Um, so I, I follow a few Rams people, and uh, they have a podcast called the Downtown LA Podcast. and I, I I just listen every once in a while. If the 49ers are playing them, I'll listen to their podcast. They've had me on. Uh, they had me on for their previous game. And um, so I listened to this one leading up to the game, and they were both predicting a blowout um, in favor of the Rams, obviously. So it was good for the 49ers to kind of win that and and uh, kind of, ah, yeah, stick it to them a little bit. <laughs> um, I, have a little, I have too much respect. Like, I, I'll never predict a, a blowout in favor of another team uh, when it comes to the 49ers because I just have too much respect for Robert Sala and Kyle Shanahan. Even with this season, I'm like, as as as, as low on the team as I've been, uh, you know, with all the injuries and not having uh, Garoppolo and stuff like that, not having, having Kittle, Bosa, I still don't – I still know they're going to win games because just the coaching staff. And we've said that. Like, I just have too much faith in the coaching staff to where the 49ers are going to win games. They're just – Mullins, can, just please. Uh, <laughs> I, I listening, I'm not even going to say it. I, I get it. I get it. Reminds me of uh, the movie Half-Baked where where Sir Smoke-A-Lot's like, Lord, if you're listening, help. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like that's the way you're talking to, uh, to Nick Mullins. But yeah. I know that's a pretty obscure movie reference. Hopefully y'all have seen Half-Baked. If you haven't, that's your problem because it's Dave classic. Chappelle is – Dave Chappelle is a goat. So, um, all right, that's it, man. That's all we got. That's all yeah. we got. That's all we got here on Striking Gold. I hope it was enough because that's all we got. Yeah. Um, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for hopping on whatever you know media you listen to this podcast on. If it lets you leave a review, jump on there, leave us a review. Um, be honest. If you love us, tell us you love it. If you don't love it, then you don't love it. Be honest. That's what we're here about. Um, again. Appreciate it. Couldn't do it without you guys. But for another uh, for another evening, this is Striking Gold. Signing out. Free Jimmy Garoppolo. Peace.